Hello, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of It's a Definite Maybe, a podcast for those of you who are just trying to figure it all out with your favorite co-hosts, as always, Stella and Rosie. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. We are joined by Jitesh, who is an engineer turned founder who is originally from India and now resides in the UK. Jitesh, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank Yay. you. Thank you so much, Rosie, Sarah. Thanks a lot. It's it's truly exciting to be part of your podcast. It's amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, we are we are honored to have you here. So with every guest that we have on the podcast, we love to just get into the nitty gritty, throw you on the bus, not too, too harsh, hopefully, but we always want to start with a few fun questions so our listeners can learn who you are. We are very privileged to already know a little bit about you, but give us sort of the... the What's, the Spark Notes version the of Spark Notes version of who you are, what you want to audience to know. We're obviously going to dive into some really cool topics today, but give yourself a little intro. <laughs> sure. So for your listeners, I mean, uh, you both already know a little bit about me, but for your listeners, I run a digital marketing agency, which I started back in 2007 while I was still studying uh, mechanical engineering. And we are an entering agency. We have uh, teams across three cities, two countries. And we mainly work with marketing agencies as a fulfillment partner. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Very cool. Amazing. And just to, just to have a little bit of fun to really start, start things off, what are some fun facts or something interesting that our listeners might not know about you or that a stranger on the street would be like, wow, that's wild? Um, I guess I started my agency when I was uh, 18. I guess that's something that's that I find. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it was an accident, a hobby turned into business sort of thing. Um, I stumbled upon digital marketing and I was really excited. I used to stay up all night at, at internet cafes. I didn't have my own computer, so I used to go there and <laughs> learn, about, learn about digital marketing. And, and uh, that's, how, that's how I started, really. Amazing. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, totally. Exactly. Whatever it takes. <laughs> that is uh, honestly, I couldn't have written a better segue into the first thing that we want to get into, which is something that Stella and I both found so incredible when we first met you was that you started being an entrepreneur or a founder by accident, as you were saying, and so young. Did you always know growing up, going through, you were studying and your teen, teen years and stuff that you wanted to do your own thing? Or were you just like, oh, this seems interesting? It's a funny thing. You know, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, I always used to have these... Um, sort of side hustles as a kid, mm. right? Nothing major, but, you know, small bits here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom used to always say that, you know, you're, you're going to become a businessman when you grow up. And I, <laughs> in <knew>. my head, <laughs> she knew, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in my head, I, you know, I was, I always wanted to become an astronaut, like pretty much every kid. Uh, oh, who didn't? Exactly, right? Uh, but other than that, I was really passionate about joining the army mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And uh, my mom was always like, you're not going to the army. You're going to the <laughs> So, so uh, I, I failed. I gave the exam, actually, after, after my high school. I gave the exam to go into the army. I failed. Oh, wow. Uh, I failed that exam. Um, and, and I ended up where, where I am today. Uh, it's funny, really. But... One thing, other than other than the fact that I had side hustles, I was always told that you're a good salesman. Mm-hmm. There's a word that is used in the local dialect in India. It's called salesman. So m- my uncle sometimes would say, 
go do your sales money and, and sell this to him. Like <laughs> it's a synonym for persuasive skills. So mm, okay. um, again, I was getting this feedback all the time while growing up that you end up becoming a businessman, you're good at sales. So it was, yeah. Well, it sounds like the universe was sending you a sign by you failing your army entrance exam and saying, hey, no, 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 we're not going to, you're not going to be doing this. We're going to pivot you in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Sign from the universe. I truly believe that. You've obviously been doing it for quite a while. And I mean, you started probably before being an entrepreneur, I guess, was cool. I feel like there's this rising trend and I've, I've spoken about this a little bit with Stell and a little bit in my content is a whole separate conversation, but there's this growing trend of people being like, Oh, quit your nine to five, start your own business, mm. be a founder. It's so easy. Work for You'll yourself. An- Yay. Yeah. Awesome. Be free. How do you feel about that movement going around now that you've been doing it for so long? In my opinion, it's, it's in a way it's good that a lot mm. of people are, are wanting to start their own thing and and sort of become independent in in some sense. So Mm -hmm. it's great for the ecosystem. It's great for generally for innovation. That kind of ecosystem is required where a lot of people are trying a lot of different ideas Mm. to see what takes. So as a a bigger picture thing, this is great that so many people are taking risks and and Mm. trying new things. It's perfect in, in my opinion. At the same time, like you said, a lot of people who might not really be into it might end up getting there because of peer pressure or because mm. they think it's cool it's a cool thing to do um <laughs> uh, so and and it is a lot of hard work like if you're not oh, really yeah. into it i mean it's gonna be a very very difficult journey yeah. and like you said it for me it was not just that entrepreneurship uh wasn't not mainstream or not cool it was the opposite like people looked down upon me yeah because I, the place that i was in everybody had stable jobs in india and Uh, doing your own thing was kind of, uh, it seemed scary, fear of the unknown. And I was not, I mean, most of my extended family was like, you're stupid. What are you doing with your life? Get a job. (laughs) It was that kind of thing. So obviously, I'm I'm very happy that that conversation has shifted, especially in, in a lot of developing countries like India, where people are now encouraging people to do something of their own. Well, it's interesting. Obviously, you have to have a base level of passion for what you're doing, like you said. So how did you know that this business that you're in now was the business that you wanted to go out and do your own thing with? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So I honestly never started out as as doing this as a business. Like It was just Mm. pure a hobby of sorts. So Mm. when I came across uh, search and optimization as a concept, I was fascinated by it. Like I, I, you know, like I said, I used to stay up at internet cafes all night over the weekend <laughs> trying to learn learn this stuff because it, it seemed like mad it seemed like a magic trick, right? You you can create a website and anyone across the world searching for a certain thing would see your website. So that was like this is pure magic. I need to learn this. And then once I did, I felt like, you know. I can make some money off of this. Mm. Uh, I, I guess after a few clients, I realized that this is a, actually a viable business. This is I can actually mm. make a career out of this. Before that, it was just, yeah, this is fun. Let's do this. <laughs> I think that's the the best entrepreneurs I know, or founders I know, or even just like looking at people like the you know the founder of Canva, Melanie, whatever her name is. 
it all starts with this idea of this passion. We can I can just tell through your voice how excited you get, how much you wanted to understand. I think that was something that came out when we first were chatting is that how much you want to discover, learn and find out about SEO when you first started. And I think that is something that a lot of people don't realize that you really need if you want to do it on your own. So like huge respect that you were able to, you know, mm. spend those late nights whilst balancing study as well, being like, this seems like something cool that I want to do. And you've made that happen. Like, that's huge. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you for saying that. Of course. I think something that, that is often over-glamorized is this idea that entrepreneurship is sexy or being a founder is sexy. What do you think has been the biggest obstacle over the last sort of 15 or so years or the biggest challenge where you were just like, do I keep going? Do I quit? Like, was there a moment you were like, I have to just persevere and keep pushing through to make this happen? I can't remember where I read this, but probably in one of the books with entrepreneurship, there are only two emotions that you experience. One is um, absolute nirvana and second is absolute chaos. So those are, <laughs> there is no middle. Like uh, if you get a really big client, this is perfect. You know, uh, this is a life that we wanted and, and mm-hmm. this is perfect. But uh, as soon as there are some rough patches, an important employee or a team member leaves or a mm. big client says, this is it. Uh, you're like, I'm in the wrong business. What have I done with my life? So obviously, those are the two emotions you're constantly fighting uh, as entrepreneur. Not just me. A lot of people that I've met also experience similar things. Mm. Uh, How interesting. <laughs> what what keeps uh, people going during during um, such times, you know, such, such extreme emotions is the fact that you really, really are into this. If you're not, mm. then, you know, you're going to be like, you know, let's do something else. What would be, I mean, you obviously are a wealth of knowledge and you have a lot of experience. What would be sort of your guiding piece of advice to someone who is maybe teetering on the edge of, do I start my own thing or do I start a side hustle, which could become my own company? What advice would you give to those people? Or even people who are currently on that journey and are wondering if they should continue with it because it has been really challenging for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, people who are on on the edge of whether they should start something of their own or not, uh, my advice is pretty simple. In today's world, it's just easy, very easy to fail and start over Mm -hmm. as compared to what it was like 20 years ago or, or, you know, 15 years ago even. So you should absolutely start. And if it fails, you can start over your life wherever you left it from. And there would be pretty much no change if you think about it, mm-hmm. other than the years that you've lost or months that you've lost in terms of career progression. But other than that, there is really no downside. But think about the upside. Like the upside outweighs the downside in this situation. So absolutely, 100%, do it. And people who are struggling, I guess... For me, what what has helped me during those phases is uh, introspection Mm -hmm. and Mm. finding good navigators in your life. So Mm. people tend to talk about mentors and and, uh, stuff like that. But I I find that rather than mentors, if you're able to find good navigators, like people Mm -hmm. can nudge you in the right direction if you are ever lost. If you have a few of those people around you, I guess your life becomes relatively easy. And if you ask them the right question, so a navigator is not going to come and tell you stuff, you know, without you asking them. So a navigator's job is to tell you, here's the right direction, here's the wrong direction. So if you ask the right questions, you'd probably 
get that right advice and direction and then you can keep moving forward in that direction life should be easy yeah awesome that is some like i need to get that put on a t-shirt or printed on a wall or something like 10 out of 10 advice (laughs) i think um something we're gonna not wrap up the entrepreneurship thing, but there's something that Stella and I really want to talk about. And it's something that you touched on a little bit when we did our sort of intro vibe check call, which we're officially, unofficially calling it vibe check calls. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's just that this journey that you've gone on when you decided that you were like, cool, I'm going to move across the world and pack up shop and move to the UK. Uh, I believe that it's all started because you had your first kid on the way. Is that where that started? Yes, you're absolutely right. So uh, obviously, all decisions that that anyone ever makes uh, is based on a few factors, right? It's it's not always just one thing. There are a few factors involved. In this case, also there are a few factors involved. One was uh, from purely from a, a business perspective. Most of our clients are in the U.S. We're trying to expand in, in the Europe and, and the U.K. region, so it made sense for me to kind of be there. Plus, mm-hmm. the, the closer you are to your clients is always better, right? Like yeah, a little bit easier. With your clients, you understand what's going on. And the most important thing from business perspective is the closer you are to the disruption that is happening in your industry, the faster you're able to adapt, the faster you're able to mm. kind of keep up with, with what's happening. So when, when I was in India, obviously most marketing technology related disruptions happen first uh, uh, in a place like London or in, in a place like New York or in a place mm-hmm. like California, right? Mm. So if I'm if I'm in one of those places, I'm closer to the disruption uh, and I'm closer to understanding what m- next steps can be for my mm-hmm. business and, and how to adapt to those. So all of those were, were kind of business decisions that I was factoring in. And then in 2018, um, when I had my my daughter, my, my baby girl, who, started, who just turned four last month, Aww. by the way, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So cute. Uh, That's when I, just like any parent across the world, uh, you want the best for your children, right? Of course, yeah. I was thinking, what, how can I make life better for my daughter? And one Mm -hmm. of the things that that I thought was, if I move to a place where, you know, there's better education, there's better environment, uh, I think my kid would would appreciate it when she grows up. So that's that's that was one of the driving forces. Like that that mm. pushed me off the ledge if you if you know what I mean. Like I was sitting <laughs> yeah. there when I saw my daughter, I was like, yes, we have to do this. Do you ever miss living in India? That's an interesting question. I don't really miss living in India, but I do miss the connections that mm. I have with India. You know what I because I I grew up here, so and and the place that I grew up in, it's a city called Baroda, a small town, relatively small place. Mm-hmm. The business community is small; everyone knows everyone. So, I miss those connections in terms of this is where I grew up. I know a lot of people here. All my friends are here. Mm. You know, all my advisors are here. All my navigators are here. So, I I miss those connections. And mm. luckily, luckily, I have been able to kind of maintain uh, those connections even though i uh, you know I, I live in the uk i'm still able to kind of keep in touch with these people and, and and maintain those relationships so every time i come here it's not very different from where we left off because i was always in touch that's good do you think i mean 
Where? Where am I going with this? My brain works in like 17 different <laughs> ways this time of the day. Do you think there's, has there ever been a moment, I guess, similar with your business that you've always, you thought, no, this is too hard. I don't want to be in the UK anymore. I want to go back to India or your wife has said, I can't do this. Let's go home to where we, you know, where we were. Has there ever been a moment like that? Or do you know with a hundred percent confidence, UK is the right move. You're exactly where you need to be. That's, uh, yeah. Um, with any change, even if it's a small change, at the beginning, there's always going to be some discomfort, right? Like even Lordly. if the time is changed, there's going to be discomfort. So I was mentally prepared that the the first few months, I'm pretty much going to feel that this is bad, I need to go back home mm. and it's not for me. So I was mentally prepared for, for feeling like that. And it did happen, right? It's, I'm, you know, it, it did happen where I felt maybe this was the wrong thing to do you know, I should go back, so on and so forth. Uh, but because I was mentally prepared, I knew that this point would come and, and how do I need to manage that? So I just powered through it, so to speak. And the crazy thing was that I moved there. In a few months that I moved there, there was COVID. So there was complete lockdown. Oh my God, of course. So I could not build any personal connections or business connections, none of that. So during those months, I was really, really struggling in terms of, you know, have I done the right thing? But mm. in hindsight now, obviously, I feel that it, that was perfect. I was I was uh, in 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 England where the vaccination program was fast and, mm. and things started to look a lot more like normal, faster than pretty much anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that hindsight, I'm, I feel this was the this was the right thing to do. And today, mm. I mean, regardless of COVID or not COVID, uh, when I look back, I feel like. In terms of my personal growth, mm-hmm. in terms of my business growth, uh, in terms of uh, my relationship with my wife and my and my daughter, I feel like this was perfect. This was perfect thing to do. That's so Amazing. exciting! Oh, that's so nice to hear. I love that. I love <laughs> feel good stories. <laughs> <laughs> also, one thing I want to add, like for my wife, she when we uh, originally decided that we want to go there, she was obviously skeptical. She's you know uprooting the entire life that we built here and, and starting mm. from scratch mm. in a place where we didn't know anybody. Like, I didn't know anyone uh, in, in Sheffield. So it was a little scary for her to go through that. And, and I explained my point of view and, and uh, she said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot and see how it goes. But now she's like, I'm never going back to India. This is home. <laughs> I is, love that. Uh, because she's, I, I mean, in, in uh, terms of her professional growth as well, like she's working with uh, one of the top three advertising agencies in the world. Wow. Um, wow. The That's right on my alley working in marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's enjoying her work. She's learning uh, a lot. So she's, she's very happy. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. On the note of the cultural differences in particular, because it was something that we'd also touched on during our vibe check, what was it? I mean, how was that transition between India and the UK in terms of the culture of being there? Because obviously you had clients who were in the UK and other places in Europe and America as well. So there was obviously that level of cultural understanding. But was there anything that particularly shocked you actually being immersed in living in the UK? Yeah. Um, So a few things, really. First of all, I was... I'm in a place called Sheffield, right? So it's relatively 
smaller city. Mm-hmm. And the business community is very small. Everyone knows everyone type of thing. And it's it's in the northern part of the country. So people are, uh, I feel at a place, in a place like London or Manchester, which is a very, very culturally vibrant uh, mm-hmm. city, mm-hmm. Sheffield is not, not so culturally vibrant in that mm. sense. Interesting. So that was a little bit, little bit shocking in terms of uh, how people interact generally mm. with themselves and, and stuff like that. Also, the language in the north is a little different. I don't know if you know about uh, <laughs> the the hundred different accents across the UK. But oh yeah, I was <laughs> of, of uh, so that, that bit. Yeah, but the most difficult bit about the culture thing was I've always worked with American clients. Like since the beginning, American uh, US was one of our primary markets. We did have clients in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have clients in in other parts of the world, but US was the primary market. So I've always kind of tuned myself to working with Americans, right? And Americans mm-hmm. generally are very direct in their feedback. Mm. They would generally tell you as it is. Very confrontational, very clear in communication and, and very direct. And that's great. But in the UK, people are generally very non-confrontational, like very courteous. That means the feedback always is, it, I mean, you have to read between the lines a lot when someone is mm. giving feedback. Interesting. So that was a little little confusing for me at times. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, so the the very first pitch that I made for for a client in the UK after I moved mm-hmm. there, very elaborate pitch, very detailed research. We went on, um, I think, three different presentations. One was the wow. discovery meeting. Then there was uh, the presentation. Then there was a follow up presentation, and it seemed like the client was really interested. Big client you know, very, very nice industry. We had experience in the industry and we had done a lot of research. So after those three presentations, the client just pretty much ghosted us, like ghosted me, would not respond to emails, would not respond to calls, nothing, right? That is the worst. And there's no feedback. I know. Oh my God. So I'm like, what's going on here? Like, this is new for me because in the US, (laughs) let's say if, if you were to spend that kind of time and energy in creating a proposal for a client in the US, they would probably tell you that your prices are too high, this mm. is not going to work, I don't like this strategy, or you know, let's let's come back to this in six months, right now mm-hmm. we don't have that, whatever it is, they'll mm-hmm. give you they'll tell you directly. But here there was nothing. So I was very, very confused. And I was like, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? I'm not sure. Mm. And then I started telling this story to a few people and Pretty much everybody's reaction was, yeah, that's pretty, pretty normal for, for oh my here. God. <laughs> for, for clients to just close the other wow. part. Really? I feel really? like that's wow. a similar to what happens in Australia is that people are a little bit more hesitant to or like a little bit scared of confrontation. So like if I just yeah. fade away into the distance, it'll be <laughs> fine. or just disappear or ghost because they're just too scared to be upfront and blunt like Americans can be. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. That's the only bit that I uh, that I found challenging to me. Everything mm. else was just you know you you get used to uh, the new culture and, and every place has its own flavor. Like there are some good things. For example, everybody is so courteous and friendly. Like it was at the beginning, it was just shocking to see how friendly <laughs> people are. Like, <laughs> so everybody's very courteous. Even if you, uh, I remember like the uh, the initial uh, weeks, I, I used to go to this supermarket 
and the and the lady at the till would always greet me as uh, good morning love this is your bag and oh. darling thank you so, i was like wow this is so cool like people are so nice here so every every place has its own flavors i need to obviously come to sheffield because everyone sounds really nicer yeah <laughs> the people are amazing i mean I, that's the one thing you have to give to sheffield the people are really nice sounds like it well one of the things that we also wanted to touch on with you is you're a dad so that to us is not something that we have yet encountered in our lives. We are not yet parents. I'm not a dad, I, can I confirm. Think- <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of conversations going around at the moment because Rosie and I are both at that age where a lot of our friends are getting engaged and married and starting to have kids. And this idea of that massive life shift, how did you and your wife know that you were ready, in quotation marks, to have kids? To be, to be completely fair, you can never really be 100% sure that this is, you're ready for this. Like it's mm. never, I feel like not just this, like any big move in your life, mm. you'll always be a little unsure. What do you really want to do this? You know, mm. every mm. move, at least is what I think. So for me and my wife, we were pretty clear since the beginning of our relationship that around this age, we should, we should start planning for mm-hmm. a kid. So there was a plan in place, really. So right around when I got to 30, 31, mm-hmm. you know, we started we started having this conversation and, and yeah, we, we planned for a kid and we were blessed with uh, Gianna, our baby girl. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like from from your perspective or anyone's perspective who's, who's still young and, and thinking about having a family in the future, I would just say that it would not, it would never be that you're 100% ready, but if mm. you have those conversations with your partner mm-hmm. and you know plan around it in terms of this is what I feel, what do you think, and yep. when should we do this, and you know plan it out. I feel like it, it would just make the whole thing very easy. It give you time to think about various things that you have to think about from your career mm. perspective, of the house that you're living in, so on and so forth. Yeah, totally. And in that case, what was something that surprised you the most about having kids? Because obviously it sounds like you guys knew that you wanted it. You'd been pretty open with each other about that being part of your plan. But obviously, I'm sure there are things that you've encountered that you (laughs) didn't necessarily think would come along or weren't necessarily prepared for. Yeah, a bunch of things, really. The first bit was like me, me and my wife were both not prepared for the initial... How do I put it? The priority for both people changes a little bit at the beginning mm. where you're paying less attention to your partner and more attention to the kid. Mm. And that, that creates some level of distance in the relationship in the short mm. term, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Although after, after the first few months, uh, you know, that changes dramatically where, mm-hmm. where you're getting closer to your partner more than ever. And we were not prepared for that. Like, we'd never had that conversation. So it yeah. just caught us by surprise in terms of, you know. And then when we both realized that this was this was happening, then we started having the conversation that, listen, you know, we, we're feeling distant from each other. Mm. What should we do about it? How should we go about it? And then it got a little better. But other than that, the usual stuff, the usual stuff, uh, how a lot of times you have to have a certain sense of patience as, as a parent that mm-hmm. you can that nothing else I feel like in the world can teach you that level of patience 
mm. uh, what your parenting can teach. For for me and my wife both, I think we both have become way more patient, and then that that is also a transferable skill, right? Like if you mm-hmm. are learning to be patient with your kid, that patience kind of helps you in all other areas of your life as well. And other than that, just basic things like you know you you tend to look at your your daily habits more carefully mm-hmm. because you're teaching your kid to have less screen time, so you're gonna have to have less screen time. Because you're teaching your kid to eat healthy, you're gonna have to eat healthy mm. and, and stuff like that. Stuff like that. Do you do you think that being a dad has made you a better business owner, or that being a founder really helped prepare you a little bit to be a dad, or do you think they're just completely separate? And I'm just making things up, and they're not even related. <laughs> Drawn parallels where there are no parallels. <laughs> I'm guilty of that way too often. <laughs> uh, so I feel like. Generally speaking, all these skills are transferable. Like, and and especially skills where you're managing yourself and your emotions; those are transferable skills. They mm. they work across across your life, whether it's personal, or professional. A lot of times, people tend to feel that no, professionally I'm different, personally I'm different, but mm. the skills remain the same, the habits remain the same. You're not yeah. changing your your core personality, right? So. Being being an entrepreneur or running your business, obviously, there are certain skills that you have to acquire regarding how to deal with people and mm-hmm. and what motivates people and and just a basic thing. Like for example, this is what I tell a lot of people: if you're motivating people with the help of fear or greed, then you in the short term you might be able to get them to do what you want. But in the long term, you're never gonna you're never gonna get a good leader out of them, mm. or you're not gonna get creativity out of them. Like it's mm. no one is under fear or greed. No one is creative. Like people are always uh, these are very very rudimentary emotions, and and they work in a you know in a different way. So they motivate you to just complete the task as quickly as possible, whatever yeah. has been told, and the creative part of your brain just shuts down. You're not coming up with, with innovative solutions. So. And that just just that basic understanding of not to motivate people with fear or greed is helps you as a parent automatically, right? Like mm. you know, mm. I mean, uh, it's it's so easy. It's so easy to tell a kid if you do this, you're gonna get a candy, and they would do it instantly. Like it, it, yeah. it's very basic, right? Anything candy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for candy, right? Uh, but it's. Think about it from from different perspective. How difficult it is to get a three year old to do something to comply with you without using fear or greed. It's very difficult. Like having that conversation, trying to you know tell them again and again the good thing about doing this and the bad thing about doing this, and then letting them make that decision again and again. Having that conversation, it's a very very difficult, time consuming process, mm. energy consuming process. But we, me and me and my wife both knew. That this is the path that that we want to take. Again, I'm not I'm not saying we are experts at parenting. We are not. Like, yeah. You know, we are, we are learning as we go. And and people who might be using some other techniques, great. They must have thought through this. It works for them. Good for them. Every parent wants the best for their for their kid. I'm not saying anything is bad or anything is good. I'm just saying that these skills of of motivation just mm. get transferred across the board. Like. Yeah. Uh, because I use the yeah. same skill in my business, I was able to use the same skill 
in my parenting, at least for now. We'll see how it goes in the future. We, no one knows <laughs> what is good or bad until a long enough timeline has passed. Oh, well, hey, just wait until those teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> we think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to believe that. <laughs> now, to finish out, we're going to do what we do with all of our guests in our Chit Chat episodes. Tell us your top three recommendations at the moment. It could be anything, a book, a podcast, a movie, a new food that you've tried, a hobby, anything. Okay, before I do that, I, one of, on one of your episodes, mm. you mentioned that book, the book of questions. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got that. And I've Did used you? it. Yes, yes. And I've oh used my God. it. I've used it on numerous occasions. And it's wow. just amazing. It's How just good amazing. is it? It's great to break eyes. It's great to form uh, uh, deep connections with people Definitely. that you just met. And it's just, it's just a very, very That's cool, so cool book. It's just a cool book. So, so for all your listeners, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, this is one more vote for that. Just <laughs> out. It's, it's going to be nice. But other that. than that, I would like to recommend this, this really cool book called The Almanac of Nawal Ravikant. It's one of those books which, for me at least, changed my perspective on wealth and happiness. Like it's mm, very, mm -hmm. very simple and, and clear way to explain what wealth and happiness is and how to get more of both. So I really recommend that. Uh, Naval Darikant also had, has podcasts, so feel free to check those out. It's, he's, I think he's, he's a very, very clear-headed person who's very mm. successful and, and some of the things that he talks about I, connect with me a lot. That's awesome. Um, other than that, there is uh, the Knowledge Project. I'm not sure if you guys know about the Knowledge Project. No, it's done by I don't. Shane. Uh, he also runs a blog, Farhan Street. I, I think that's what it's called. Uh, FS.blog, if I'm not mistaken, that's, that's the URL. But do check it out. It's one of the most uh, knowledge-filled blogs and podcasts out there. Mm. It's really cool. It's really cool. Some of those episodes are are amazing uh, really really cool and some of the blog posts are just you know very very good other than that in terms of books oh there are so many i <laughs> so many i can't I, I, I think of think, but in general i would say read basic books like whether whether it's economics or evolution or mm. Mm -hmm. physics or like read basic books uh, books written by the original author i think that is very good in terms of foundation mm -hmm. and then whatever foundation you create with those basic books whatever you read will, will just keep enhancing that that knowledge that you've gained rather than what most people do is the reverse where people who just get into reading would just read the latest new bestseller which may not have information which is well-researched or, or well-thought-out, and they might end up creating a bad foundation. And then everything else that you read on top of that is not, I mean, you're not going to mm. get most out of it. So I would mm -hmm. say first read the basics of whatever subject interests you, whether it's motivation, whether it's business, whether it's economics, whether it's evolution, whatever subject interests you, read the, read the basic books and then build on top of that. Go to the source. We like it. Yeah. I love that. Well, 
This has been a wonderful episode. Chitesh, thank you so much for making the time to sit down with us and be in our podcast. We loved having you and it's been awesome. So for our listeners, where can they connect with you? If they have questions, they have conversations, maybe there's a potential client out there. Where can they find you? (laughs) I'm generally very active on on LinkedIn. So that's uh, probably the best place uh, to connect with me. I'm, I'm generally online there, very active. Uh, so yeah, Jitesh Keswani, uh, find me on LinkedIn, happy to connect, happy to answer any questions. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much, Rosie Stella. It was great to, to talk to you and, and thank you for inviting me as a guest on your podcast. It was lovely. Absolutely loved it. I love the energy that you have, both of you. I love your vibe. Um, so it's the vibe check. Perfect. And we didn't yeah. even pay you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us a review. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Well, on that note, make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now. Connect with us on socials if you haven't already as well. Share this podcast around with any friends or family members who you feel would benefit from it. Otherwise, we are excited as always to take you along with us as we talk through the areas of life that might not always have a one-size-fits-all approach on It's a Definite Maybe. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.